The anonymous op-ed in the New York Times is fake. Mr. Reagan. So I haven't had a lot of time to work on videos lately, but I have been watching the news. I keep seeing reports about this opinion piece written by an anonymous contributor published in the New York Times. It's called, I'm part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. I am absolutely convinced that this article is fake. I shall read a bit of the article for you so that you have an idea of what it says. The anonymous contributor writes, The erratic behavior would be more concerning if it weren't for the unsung heroes in and around the White House. Some of his aides have been cast as villains by the media, but in private, they have gone to great lengths to keep bad decisions contained to the West Wing, though they are clearly not always successful. It may be cold comfort in this chaotic era, but Americans should know that there are adults in the room. We fully recognize what is happening, and we are trying to do what's right, even when Donald Trump won't. That's the end of the quote there. Now, the New York Times claims that this is an article written by a, quote, senior official in the Trump administration, close quote. That's what it says at the bottom of the article, word for word. I believe that this is a lie. When I was in high school or maybe college, my sister was reading Dan Brown's book, The Da Vinci Code. I had just seen a news report about uh, this book and about how all of the facts at the beginning of the book were not facts at all. Every single one of them was a fiction, but Dan Brown had listed these as facts. He had stated at the beginning of the book that the entire story was a fiction, but it was based on real things that had happened in history. My sister thought that this book was brilliant, but only because these facts were revelatory. These were facts about history that she'd never heard before, that seemed fascinating and exciting and interesting. They added validity to this fiction. When I informed her that all the facts on the first page were made up, and she looked into this online and confirmed it, she turned to me with sheer disappointment on her face and said, well, this book is crap. (laughs) The same is true about this New York Times op-ed. The New York Times has used very strong language and their decades of journalistic integrity to add validity to this anonymous opinion article. But the reality is, literally anyone in the world could have written the story. It could have been, it could even have been a New York Times reporter, or, or maybe it was a clever Democratic strategist that found a way to convince the New York Times that the article was legitimately written by a senior Trump official. But we don't actually know. We only have the integrity of the New York Times to go by. Fifty years ago, I would have thought that that's probably enough. But in 2018, it is absolutely not enough. The New York Times is constantly running hit pieces on Donald Trump. Everybody who works there seems to be competing over who can devalue the presidency the most. And they all seem to be pushing for some kind of action to get him out of office. They're constantly trying to convince the American public to vote him out. They're trying to encourage Congress to impeach him. Or they're trying to find some other way to end the Trump presidency. To suspect that the New York Times would intentionally deceive the American people in this new way is not only reasonable, I think it's likely. As I watched the reports on various media outlets about this notorious article, I started to wonder whether it read more like a fiction or more like the insight of a top-level Trump official. So I did the only thing one can do. I read the article for myself. My conclusion 
This article is a pure work of fiction. How do I know this? I'm a writer. I've written hundreds of stories. I can tell you there is zero validity to this article. Here's how I think the article came about. Now, it is possible that the story was written by somebody in the Trump administration, but it's certainly not a top-level official. If it's written by anyone in the Trump administration at all, it's written by a very young, low-level employee with zero power. Maybe the White House janitor. No, but seriously, if it's an employee, it's probably a low-level assistant. Slate put out an article today which proposed that the writer was John Huntsman. I didn't think that the article was that convincing, but if it is Huntsman, this is pretty well in keeping with my theory. Now, John Huntsman is the ambassador to Russia. Ambassadors, despite their lofty title, have very little actual power. They're really just figureheads. I imagine that this is a frustrating position for anybody who opposes the policies of their boss, the president. Calling Huntsman a senior official in the Trump administration is akin to calling Kate Middleton a senior official in the British government. In an interview with Mike Pence this morning, Chris Wallace said that there was uh, some suspicion that he was the anonymous writer. If this were true, then this article would actually be as big a deal as everybody's making it out to be. But Mike Pence was pretty convincing in his refutation of the accusation and seemed genuinely disgusted by the article. It's also possible that the article was simply written by a reporter. It could have been written by somebody who works in Washington or somebody who has access to the day-to-day -day operations of a presidency, either Trump's or Obama's or George Bush or something like that, and somebody who was comfortable talking about the ways things operate in the White House. Whoever wrote it wrote it as a piece of what is commonly referred to in fiction writing as fantasy fulfillment. Fantasy fulfillment fiction can be anything from romance novels to adventure stories. It basically takes a typical fantasy of a common man or woman and uses an everyman protagonist and fulfills the fantasies of the readers vicariously through the experience of this protagonist. So in this case, the writer of the article is, I believe, somebody who has absolutely no ability to affect change in President Trump's policies, but he or she desperately wants to. And that's the fantasy. The writer of the article has a few very obvious traits. The first obvious trait is that they clearly despise President Trump. They not only disagree with Trump, they detest him. They do not characterize him in the article as merely having bad ideas, but they characterize him as being amoral. Amoral, by the way, is distinct from being immoral. They're not saying that he does things that he knows are bad. They're saying that he has zero morals at all. The writer also characterizes him as being dangerously stupid and absent-minded. The writer states that the successes of the administration have been despite, not because of, the president's leadership style, which is impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective. Everything in this article echoes criticisms of the left-wing media. Nothing here gives personal insight into the character of the president. This is a merely a reiteration of the caricature that the media has drawn of President Trump over the past few years. A lot of the criticisms of Donald Trump in this article are the same criticisms that are often leveled against him because of his tweets. Most of the article criticizes Trump for being erratic, uh, unpredictable, changing his mind about things. A lot of those same criticisms have been leveled against Trump for years because of the things he's posted on his Twitter account. The writer then goes on to talk about how he is morally repugnant. Remember the accusations of immoral, impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective? Yeah. This is, of course, the fundamental criticism of the left. They call him racist, sexist, greedy, treasonous. And that's the next bit. The writer goes on to try to characterize Trump as wanting to cozy up to Putin. They try to create some kind of a loose tie to the collusion accusation. But here, the writer slips up. They include something extremely telling. Allow me to quote the article precisely. The anonymous author writes, quote, Take foreign policy. 
In public and in private, President Trump shows a preference for autocrats and dictators such as Vladimir Putin of Russia and North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un, and he displays little genuine appreciation for the ties that bind us to allied, like-minded nations. Close quote. This is all, again, stuff that you can hear any night of the week on MSNBC based on general hysterical leftist speculation. The reason that this is telling is that the writer begins this criticism with the words, in public and private. A top official close to the president does not need to invoke the president's public persona to add credibility to their assertions. They merely need to write about what they personally know about the president. That's the only thing that's relevant to this article. This slip-up says to me that the writer is taking Trump's public persona and conceptualizing the worst imaginable Trump psychology based on that, something that would be easily accepted by Trump detractors. Again, the same thing that MSNBC does every night of the week. You know what, I think this is a great example of what this entire article actually is. It's an imagined caricature of the president based on the musings of an impotent writer. This writer has imagined themselves as a top Trump official, watching the clown-like behavior of a caricature that they have constructed of Donald Trump, whom they hate. I mean, imagine the alternative. Imagine that this is a real top Trump official, dealing with Trump every single day. This person despises his boss. He is secretly attempting to foil Trump's political actions. Imagine what would happen if this official were actively undermining Trump's policies in any significant way. Those loyal to Trump, which I imagine makes up the vast majority, if not all, top Trump officials, they would see this type of sabotage plainly, and this top official would be fired very quickly. As I said before, it is possible that the person who wrote this opinion article does work in the Trump administration, but if they do, they must have zero effect on the execution of Trump's policies. The Trump administration works like any business. If the top executive commands his employees to do something and they refuse, those employees are fired. If the employees who are tasked with executing the action are consistently ineffective, they are again fired. I cannot conceive of a way in which a top official in the Trump administration could possibly have confounded the wishes of the president in any significant way. However, I can conceive of a low-level assistant with a lot of time on their hands dreaming that they had that power, dreaming that they were a more significant person, dreaming to affect the world. And I can imagine this person writing their fantasy out in a clever little work of fiction. And I can imagine the people at the New York Times hating Trump so very much, wanting to take him down in any way they can, and allowing themselves to believe that this work of fiction was actually written by a top Trump official. I can also imagine the New York Times themselves conspiring to deceive the American people, deceptively passing off a work of fiction as a work of fact. And this is the state in which we find the leftist media, the result of severe Trump derangement syndrome. They hate Trump so much that they are willing to deceive themselves or they are willing to deceive others in order to achieve their aims of discrediting the president and trying desperately to get him out of office. Think about it. This deception has power. If the New York Times could convince the Trump people that this kind of disloyalty was happening within the administration, it could cause a great deal of disruption. Trump officials might start an investigation. I think that they already have. They might start looking into the loyalty of all their employees, and they might try to root out any of this disloyalty. Such a witch hunt might engender resentment amongst the loyal employees. Before long, the article might become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The resentment of the witch hunt might become so, so great that their formerly positive view of the president and the administration might sour. Now, I don't think that that would actually happen, but I think that's what the New York Times hopes will happen. I think that's actually the point of this article. In a way, this article represents something that's very dangerous. I don't actually think that it represents a danger in the same way that many conservative commentators have expressed concern. I don't think that they're really 
really is any kind of subversive cabal inside the Trump administration. What I do think is real is the passion the American media has for trying to undermine the president. There is a cabal of disloyal Americans trying to take down the president, but it's not within the Trump administration. It's the mainstream media. It's the New York Times, it's CNN, it's NPR, it's MSNBC. I used to have some respect for these media outlets. I could see that often, despite their biased political views, they appear to make some effort toward employing journalistic ethics. They appear to try to at least seem objective. I still believe that there are a few reporters who do this, even within these ranks. But it has become very apparent that most of the reporters at these companies no longer care about the appearance of objectivity. They recognize the power of the press and they are using it for their own aims. They may justify this in believing that their efforts will be a benefit to the American people, but the reality is their underhanded tactics are merely being employed to advance their own personal objectives. One of the reporters that I heard talking about this article said something like, if you're somebody who's stupid enough to believe this article, you're probably somebody who's stupid enough to still be reading the New York Times. And I think that pretty much sums up my sentiments as well. I don't necessarily think that you have to be stupid to believe this article is valid. You just have to, to want to believe it's valid. And I think that's the problem with stuff like this. It plays to people's fears. It plays to people's biases. The New York Times might not feel it's necessary to be honest in the opinion section. After all, it's just somebody's opinion. But when you deceive the American people into believing the article is written by a top Trump official, the nature of your actions goes from neutral to nefarious. It's really a shame. There was a time in American history when the New York Times did have integrity. It was a newspaper that could be read and for the most part could be trusted. But that journalistic integrity is all gone now. I believe that the New York Times should, should now be read in the same way that National Enquirer is read. Maybe something in there is, is true every once in a while, but you'd have no way of knowing it. So you have to look at the whole thing as silly entertainment. And it's a shame. It's a real shame. So if you have a subscription to the New York Times, I recommend that you cancel that subscription and you use the money to subscribe to my Patreon instead. <laughs> the things that I say on these videos are also my opinions, but at least I'm honest about that. Now, you might hear in the background uh, some music playing. This is, actually, this is actually from a cover that was recorded by a good friend of mine. Her name is Nana Tanimura. And if you like this, I'm going to have a link at the end and in the description. Please click on that. Uh, and tell her how much you like her video. I think she is a highly underrated artist, and I think she deserves a little bit of attention. All right, well, if you like this video, please hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, you're probably a reporter at the New York Times. <laughs> Good night. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Mr. President, in talking about the continuing recession tonight, you have blamed mistakes of the past. You blame the Congress. Does any of the blame belong to you? Yes, because for many years I was a Democrat. <laughs>